Great worship, great praise and worship music this morning. Uh, we are so blessed to have people that love the Lord and just use their gifts like our praise team does. Man, appreciate them. Give them a big hand this morning. Ron and Sandy, how's that grandson? Woo, yeah, that's awesome, man. So excited for them and Allison and Jonathan. Uh, man, again, good to be in the house of the Lord with you. The title of my sermon today is Chase the Lion. I think we got an awesome picture on the screen. Not me. Not, not that. That's, that wasn't awesome. Here we go. Right there. There we go. Check it out. Chase the Lion. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Wouldn't you like to chase that? That's crazy, okay? That's crazy talk. So I'm already starting out with crazy talk today. Chase the Lion. What does this mean? Well, we're going to talk about it today. Uh, we'll be in 2 Samuel 23. You can go ahead and turn there. I'm not going to read the scripture yet, but you can turn there. But I want to talk to you about the title of this sermon and where this came from. A couple of years ago, I did a devotional on my Bible app that I read every day, and it was called Chase the Lion. It was cool. It was like a seven-day devotional. Man, it was just awesome. And it was from this passage of scripture. Loved it. And then just kind of, you know, moved on. Uh, forgot about it. And then... Eli, uh, he got to be in a, in a mini-series that actually aired on the Trinity Broadcast Network. And yeah, it's really cool. And there's uh, through a friend of a friend, a guy that uh, graduated from Van Buren a few years ago. And he now makes movies. And he got to make this movie, and, uh, Eli, or a mini-series, and Eli got to be in it. So Joy was telling me about it. I was like, that's so cool, you know. And I was like, what's it called? And she said, Chase the Lion. I was like, then it, you know, it clicked. Wait a second. Is that the same Chase the Lion from the devotion that I did, you know, a couple years ago? And sure enough, yes, it is. And so this is based on a book that a pastor wrote. His name's Mark, and he wrote this book called Chase the Lion. It's about chasing your dreams, pursuing your dreams. So he chronicles 10 famous people who pursued their dreams and accomplished great things. So Eli, he's in one of the one of the the uh, the series, okay? One of the shows. And He's got this awesome part, and he, he kind of gets annoyed when I talk about it. He's like, Dad, I'm only in it for 30 seconds. I'm like, I don't care. It's cool, you know. I'm a dad. I'm proud. I'll brag on you, you know. So it, it's this scene about the Wright brothers that he's in. So anyway, you can, you can check that out, uh, hopefully catch that. But anyway, uh, it, it kind of got me on this journey through all this. I was like, you know, I need to read the book. I need to read the whole book, Chase the Lion. So I start to read Chase the Lion. Well, I realize it's a sequel to... The first book this guy wrote called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Now, that sounds awesome, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't that just pique your interest? So I'm like, i got to read this book first. So I've been reading this book, and, and, and I want to share with you this sermon today that, that I got. Now, Brother Johnny, man, he preached an amazing sermon uh, maybe a couple of months ago on a Wednesday night from this same passage of Scripture. So I'm not trying to re-preach what Brother Johnny preached. I'm just coming alongside and just another insight that, that the Lord gave me and that this author pointed out in his book that just compliments what Brother Johnny preached about, about being bold and courageous for Christ. Um, and today we're going to look at the, the way to, to reframe our problems, okay, and how to, how to change our thinking so that God can use us, you know, and, and we can chase lions. So we're going we're gonna to go to the Scripture now. It's on the should be on the screen uh, behind me, and also, if you have it in your Bible, if you want to follow along with me, I'll be in 2 Samuel 23. 
beginning in verse 20. Benaiah was the son of Jehoda, the son of a valiant man from Kabzil, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He had also gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. There it is. And he killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. So he went down to him with a, a staff. He had, a, he had a, you know, a stick in his hand. And he wrestled the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? I think that's amazing. You know? Wow. Well, we're going to talk about Benaiah's life and how we can, we can refocus our problems today. But before we dive into it, let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Lord, uh, today we're so thankful to be in your house and in this moment to dive into your word I pray that you'll just speak through me with your Holy Spirit and speak into the hearts and lives of everyone, Lord, in this sanctuary, uh, because you created them, Lord, and you know exactly uh, what they need and what they're dealing with. So speak to them and move, Lord, in each of our lives as only you can and help us to trust you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, Benaiah, this guy was amazing. You know, he was a lion chaser. He literally chased the lion. So today, we're going to learn some principles from his life about how we can reframe the problems that we face. First of all, we see about Benaiah is that he was a bold man. He was obviously bold. Would you agree? I mean, how many people, you know, chase lions? All right? Anybody in here ever, ever chased a lion? Anybody here ever, other than the zoo, ever encountered a lion in the wild? Okay, I haven't either. You know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm fine just to look at them, you know, on the screen or at the zoo from behind that really thick glass, right, or the high fence. I, I don't want to chase a lion. So you're like, well, Jason, how, what, how are we going to use this sermon? I mean, we're not going to go, we're not going to start a, a fight club at the church, are we? You know, you're reading passages about this guy fighting and killing lions. No, we're not, we're not going to be like the Kavanaugh Cage Club, okay? We, we've already got the CCC. That's our children's center. We're not going to take that. We're, we're not talking about that, but we are going to talk about how that God can use us and how we can be used by God and how when we encounter difficulties in life, how to handle it, okay? So that's, that's going to be our focus today. So don't worry, it will apply to you, okay? Anybody in here problem-free today? Okay, now if you were problem-free, this wouldn't apply to you, but everybody else is going to apply to if you've ever had a problem, all right? Because guess what? Newsflash, you're going to have a problem, all right? You know, as soon as you walk out of the sanctuary, there'll be problems. They're just waiting for you, you know? But we can handle it. That's the good news. So, Benaiah, he was, he was incredibly bold. Listen, you don't mess with lions. Anybody in their right mind knows you don't mess with a lion, correct? Let me tell you a story. Maybe you saw this in the news. On July 3rd in South Africa, some tourists were on a safari drive in, in this encaged... Uh, area, this enclosed area, and it was, uh, it was where they do safaris and they do hunts, and so they're on this safari and they're looking for nature. They want to see, you know, nature in its real setting, and so they're, they're out there and they're looking for lions and they're looking for giraffes and elephants and rhinos, but they came across a scene they hoped they would never see. You see, as these tourists are going on Tuesday, July 3rd, as they're on their trip, they come into this lion, they call it a camp. Okay, where the lions live, the pride of lions. It was their camp, it was their hood. And as they, as they go by, they see human remains on the ground. 
okay? They see a skull and some other things, and they maybe they're probably thinking, oh, this is rigged. It wasn't rigged. It was real. So they report it. They got back to camp. They report it to the owner the, who owned the safari club, and uh, Nick Fox was his name. And so Nick, he goes out to investigate, and it was too close to dark. So the next day, they go back out on Wednesday morning, and they tranquilize the lions in the area. No, no lions were harmed in this story, okay? But they tranquilized the lions. They wanted to see if there were any survivors. And here's what they kind of pieced together, because they, all they found was a skull and a few bone fragments, definitely a human skull and a few bone fragments. That was it. But they found, they found three pairs of gloves. They found three pairs of shoes, a little bit of bread. Apparently lions don't like bread. They found an axe, some wire cutters, and a high-powered rifle with a silencer. Now, what does all this mean? I wouldn't have a clue. But these guys do. This spells rhino poachers. Okay. Apparently, the, the rhino horn is very valuable, actually more valuable than gold per, per ounce. Uh, it's, it's ground up, and it's used in medicine in some countries. And so these poachers, they sneak into these game preserves. They cut the fence. They shoot the rhino with their high-powered rifle with the silencer on it so you don't hear it. And then they take the axe to harvest the rhino horn, and then they go and sell it. Okay? So apparently, I mean, they're putting all this together, but apparently these poachers, as they sneak onto this game preserve, uh, they had a, a surprise uh, visit <laughs> by this pride of lions, and they wander into the lion camp, and the tables are turned, and nature overcomes the poachers, all right? So, you know, and it kind of surprised me, because I read this in several different uh, news articles. Now, how many of y'all heard about that story, and you heard about it? Did y'all not think that was just crazy? I thought it was crazy, but it, as I was reading about this and doing some research about it, you know what I noticed? Nobody was sad. You know, it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, they shouldn't have been poaching. I'm going to get that, but three people, you know, they got devoured by lions. That's terrible, you know? Maybe y'all don't think that's terrible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad deal. That's not a way to go down. But here's the bottom line. Here's the point. These men were armed. They, they, they knew what they were doing. But even they couldn't take down these lions. The lions overpowered them. A lion is nothing to mess with. But yet, here we see in Scripture this man named Beniah that was able to kill a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I mean, who is this guy? You know, how does he do this? He also, the Scripture tells us, he fought at the same time two lion-like heroes from Moab. That just means they were fierce warriors. And he killed them. Then another time, having only a... a a staff in his hand, he takes on an Egyptian warrior armed with a spear. He wrestles the spear out of his hand. He kills him. I mean, as my boys would say, this guy's a savage, okay? I would say in my day, we would use the expression like, he's bad to the bone. You know, this dude bad. You don't mess with him. But now, you know, youth today, they would say, he's a savage, okay? Y'all with me? All right. So would you agree that he's a savage? Yeah, I think he's a savage. He's definitely this dude. He's a warrior. He's a beast. He was bold. Okay, so he he was fearless. But then I thought, how do we get in this situation? You know, because this is how my mind thinks. I'm always wondering why. You know, we'll we'll watch a movie and I drive Joy crazy because I'm like analyzing. Well, why did they do that? You know, why would they really do that? She goes, it's just a movie. Just enjoy it. You know, don't overthink it. But I'm thinking, how? How did he get to this lion in a pit on a snowy day? And jump in there and kill it. Well, 
Now, this is purely me, okay? This, this part isn't in Scripture, but I'm just speculating. I'm like, how could we get here? Well, then I get to thinking about it. It's like, okay, think about uh, Israel, okay? They had flocks of sheep, right? We know that all through Scripture. And the lions would prey on those, even King David, right? He was a shepherd. He killed lions and bears who would come and attack their flocks of sheep. So I thought, okay, perhaps there was a lion, and he was terrorizing the people. He was killing the flocks of sheep. And so Benaiah's like, I'm going to put a stop to it. So perhaps Benaiah, he began to track this animal, and he began to study his habits, and he knew his hunting grounds, and he knew his paths. And so Benaiah, he set a trap for the lion, and on one of the lion trails, he dug this huge pit. He covered it up with branches, you know, and, uh, and grass, and so that it looked like the ground. And then he waited for the perfect condition. And on a snowy day with fresh snow, he started tracking the animal. And he tracked it, and he tracked it into a thicket, and he knew where the animal was going. And maybe Benaiah, as he's, as he's sneaking through there, you know, armed with his spear, he can hear the lion begin to, to crunch through the snow. Now, you can imagine Benaiah's heart rate at this point begin to, begin to race. The adrenaline's firing. All the senses are in tune. And all of a sudden, he spots the lion crouching behind some grass. So Benaiah goes into full pursuit at that point, a dead run, chasing this lion. And the lion turns and runs. And as the lion runs, it falls through the pit and is captured. Benaiah hears it thud as it hits the ground. And Benaiah runs up to the pit and he looks down into the darkness and he sees two green eyes staring back up at him. And what does Benaiah do? He leaps into the pit without a moment's hesitation. Now, in most scenarios, this is how this would go. Man jumps into the pit. Lion roars. Man screams. Lion has manwich for lunch. Right? People do not try this at home. Okay? Y'all remember the awesome Father's Day gift we got this year? What was it called? Fixer, right? Y'all remember that? I, I, I want you to say it with me. This, you know, Brother Will, he, he'd be watching this. So we're going to do a shout out to Brother Will for the fixer. On the count of three, I want you to say fixer really loud. One, two, three. Fixer. Okay, we got the fixer. You got yours right there. Yes. Awesome, man. How many of you guys have used them? Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. They're awesome. So we got the fixer. Well, Isaac, he said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, if I ever come across a bear in the woods, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack it with my fixer. Because Brother Will said, I can do anything with this fixer. You know? <laughs> he said, and then I'll bind up in the hospital. I said, yeah, don't, don't, don't try that. So people, listen. Listen. I'll tell you because I love you. Don't, after this sermon, don't, go, don't load up in the car and go to Little Rock to the zoo and jump in the lion pit and try to kill him with a spear. Okay? It's not going to go good for you. All right? Uh, but listen, Benaiah, he was, a, he was a warrior. And so when Benaiah looked into that pit, he didn't see a problem. Now, if we looked into that pit and there was a line in there, we'd say, Houston, we have a problem, right? But not Benaiah. He just jumped in. You know what Benaiah saw when he looked down in the pit? He said, that's a rug for my living room. Right? I thought y'all would really like that. Because, Brent, that spoke to me, man. That's a rug. That's a rug. That's a trophy, you know. Do you think, now let, let's think about this. So Benaiah, you know, he's, he's going to have grandkids and great-grandkids. Do you not think when they're over and they're, they're wrestling that lion rug, hey, grandpappy, where'd you get this? You know, man, he's just waiting. Yes, and he's going to tell them the story, right? He's going to brag a little bit, wouldn't you? Come on, if you jumped in a pit and killed a lion, you bet you'd be bragging about that. Wow, 
Well, guess what we can do, guys? When we go through trials and when we face problems, you know what we can do? We can brag to people about Jesus, how he saw us through the problem. You know, because we're going to face them, aren't we? we? We may have problems that hang on to us all the way through this life, but guess what? One day, we'll draw our last breath in here, and all believers in Jesus, we are going to be in eternity with him. And guess what's going to happen to the problem? It's not coming with you. That problem's going to stay behind. That problem's going to stay in the pit, right? Well, Obaniah, he jumps into the pit, and all of a sudden, you hear the, the lion roar, and you hear Beniah yell. And then you hear scuffling, and you hear, you hear clawing. You might hear flesh ripping. And all of a sudden, you hear a gasp of air as someone or something takes its last breath. Several minutes go by, and then a bloody hand emerges from the pit. Benaiah pulls himself back up onto the snow. He's got a fresh lion skin draped over his shoulders. There's claw marks on his chest. Blood is running down his leg onto the snow, but he is overcame. Now, that's awesome, isn't it? They need to make a movie about that. Wow. Man, Benaiah was bold. How could he do it? How could he have that perspective? He, when he saw a problem, it wasn't a problem. It was an opportunity for God to do something. So, guys, we're all going to have problems. And we can sit there and look at the problem and say, man, I'm just overwhelmed. Or we can turn to God and say, God, this isn't a problem. This is an opportunity for you to do something big. So we've got to learn to refocus the way we view problems. You know, God, God can take a problem and he can turn it into an opportunity for something great to happen. And guess what? When that happens, we get a testimony. And you know what we do with our testimony? We brag about Jesus. That testimony is like the lion rug that Benaiah had, the lion skin. This is something we can share down the road and say, listen, I went through a challenge. I went through a, a scary ordeal, but here's what God did. And God showed up, and here's what happened. So we can exalt Jesus. But not only was Benaiah bold, but the second thing I want to talk to you about today to help us just reframe and refocus the way we view problems, Benaiah believed. He was a believer in the power of God. How many of you guys have ever heard the term divergent thinking? You ever heard that term? Okay, I, I, never, I never had, a few of y'all have, a few in the first, I never had until I read this book, In a Pit with a Lion, on a snowy day. We got a definition for divergent thinking. Check this out. A thought process or method used to generate creative ideas by exploring many possible solutions. Divergent thinking is found among people Listen to this part. With personality traits such as nonconformity, curiosity, willingness to take risks, and persistence. All right? That's pretty cool, isn't it? So basically it means when there's a problem, some people, they just shut down like there's, there's no way out. But if you're, a, if you're a divergent thinker, you're like, no, there's lots of options. So let's look at all the possibilities. And they don't quit, and they don't give up, and they don't worry about what everybody else says. They're like, let's just figure this thing out. So I think that's a really good quality to have. Okay, let's look at a fact about divergent thinking. This is an interesting fact. 98% of kids ages 3 to 5 score on the genius level when it comes to divergent thinking. However, by the time these kids reach their teenage years, only 10% are still able to score in the genius level of divergent thinking or creative thinking. 
Why is that? Is it just simply because when kids become teenagers, they lose their brains for a while? No. <laughs> Did that come out of my mouth? Oh, that, that's just an a observation, okay? Just kidding, teenagers. I love you guys. <laughs> Had to wake you all up. No, it's not that. Listen, here's, here's what I think it really is. The world wants to squeeze you into a box. The world wants to put you in a mold. The world wants you to conform. The world tells you, this is how you dress. This is how you talk. This is how you act. This is how you think. This is what you pursue. And we lose sight of the dreams. You know, little kids, they have this amazing ability to dream, don't they? They believe Jesus. They take him at his word. You know, Jesus said, have faith like a what? A child, because a child has that total confidence in their heavenly father that he's going to come through. But somewhere along the way, we lose sight of that, and we lose focus of that, and we forget to dream, and we forget to be creative, and we, and we, we forget to be you know, curious. And when we see the problems, all of a sudden we're like, there's no way around it. We just got to go with the flow. That's what the world does, and I think that's why only 10% of teenagers are using that divergent thought process. And it probably goes way down from there for us adults. But here's the bottom line, guys. We need to refocus the way we look at problems. We need to reframe that problem and say, you know what? We serve an almighty God. We serve an all-powerful God. He's a creative God. So there's a way out of this problem. And I can do the right thing. So we have to have that mindset. And I think Benaiah, man, he had that mindset. He had that ability to use divergent thinking. You know, most people, when they're looking down the pit, they're not jumping in, right? But he didn't hesitate. He went right after the line because he knew that was what he was pursuing. He was after it. You know how I think he could do that? When he looked in the pit, he saw something. Now, if most of us looked in the pit, we'd say, there's a big problem right there, right? Right? <laughs> Would you agree if there's a line in the pit and you're at the edge? That's a big problem. And you only have a spear in your hand? That's a problem. But you know what? Benai had the ability, when he saw a problem, he said, that's a little problem. Because I serve a big God. When we realize that we serve a big God, the problem becomes small. But if we're focused on the problem, we say that's a big problem, then we're, we're making God a small God, right? So we got to reframe. We got to reframe the way we view the circumstances that we face and the trials that we endure. And to realize that, hey, yeah, this may be serious, but we have a big God. So in perspective of, of that in the heavenly you know, kingdom of God, this problem, it's only going to be for a little while. We're going to leave it behind. So it's not going to be with me that long. Right? So we got to refocus. So for us, what does this mean? How does this apply? Well, when we're going through a circumstance, when we're going through a trial, right, we got to have the courage to do the right thing. No matter what. So teenagers, I was just joking earlier about that part about you losing your brain for a while. For the most part, I was joking. But let's think about it like this. Let me, let me, let me put this for our teens, an application for you. And it, and it does apply for all of us, but particularly for our teenagers. You're hanging out with some buddies. And all of a sudden, things start going on that you know aren't right. You're faced at that moment with a decision. What do you do? Do you just sit there and keep your mouth shut? And, you know, like, well, I'm not going to participate, so it's okay. Or... Could you just get up and leave? Could you just remove yourself from the situation? Okay? That's the courage 
to do the right thing, even when the circumstances may be difficult. You may get laughed at, but that's okay. Would that apply for us as adults as well? You bet. Are you ever around people that are doing things that, you know, aren't pleasing to God? Sure, it's going to happen. So, you know, we can just remove ourselves from that. Or we can have the courage to, to speak up and say, hey, man, you know, that's not, that's not going to help you. You know, and you can point somebody to Jesus. Is it risky? Sure. It's difficult. It's risky to do the right thing sometimes. But when we believe in God and we refocus the problem and we know we have a big God and a little problem, we can do the right thing. Pretty awesome, right? So Benaiah, man, he was, he was bold. Benaiah believed. But the last thing I want to point out today to help us refocus our problems is that Benaiah was blessed. He was blessed. Have you ever noticed that it's like built in us from a young age to, to play tag or to play chase? Have you ever noticed that? I got another lion. Can I show you another lion picture? Okay, we got another lion picture. We're talking about lions today. Look at that. So you can see it looks like they're playing chase. Or maybe it kind of looks like, like the, the young one's a, a teenager and he's really made his mama mad and she's coming after him, you know, with the claws and the fangs. Because he, he's kind of running like, oh, I messed up. I'm getting out of here, right? But it's just kind of built in us to play chase. I mean, let's think, let's think back for a little bit, okay? Remember as a kid, do you remember, do you remember playing tag on the playground when you were a kid? If you remember that, raise your hand. Let me know that you're with me. You remember, okay? So when we were kids, there was just there was just plain old tag, right? And and everybody played tag at recess when you were little. But then we could we could change it up a little bit, right? How many of y'all ever played freeze tag? Right? Yeah, you get, you get tagged, you're frozen, and then how do you get unfrozen? What do you do? Come on, speak up, people. Help me out here. Huh? You got to be tagged, right? Or if you really want to make it fun, okay, you, you got to have the person that untags you slides between your feet. How many of y'all ever played that version? It works great on the gym floor, not so great on the gravel parking lot, right? For the person sliding. But that was, that was when tag was really tag, you know? That was awesome. Uh, as youth pastors, okay, we figured out a few things. All versions of games that you play with your teenagers at lock-in, they all point back to tag. It's just all a variation of tag, okay? This is what I learned after 19 years of youth ministry, and I noticed Brother Nathan does the same thing at his lock-in. You just play different forms of tag. Now, you call it a different name, so it sounds really cool, all right? And, but it's, it's all forms of tag. There's like, okay, so you can play, uh, what, teenagers, what, what are some of the forms of tag y'all played at lock-ins with Brother Nathan? Zombie tag, did y'all play that one? Jailbreak, capture the flag, zombie freeze tag, okay? Nerf tag, you know? There's another game called amoeba tag. It's all forms of tag. Here's the point. We're just doing that so we can stay awake. Because I remember, you know, when I used to do lock-ins, the only way I could make it through the night was to never stop. If I ever sit down, it was over. I wasn't getting back up. So we just played versions of tag all night long just so you could keep moving, all right? <laughs> Woo, thank you, Brother Nathan. He's, he's doing that for us now. <clears throat> Great job. But here's the point. It's like God put in us the desire to pursue something, to chase something, okay? So it's like Benaiah was made to chase that lion. That was one of his purposes in life. He was created to do that. So let's, let's talk about, let's look at 
what happened in his life after he pursued this lion, after he came out of the pit with that lion skin on his shoulder. Well, old King David heard about it. And I think that struck a chord with King David because he had killed lions and he would killed bears that were terrorizing the flocks of sheep, as I said earlier. And so David promoted Benaiah from being a, a soldier amongst many soldiers to being the captain of his bodyguard. David's like, I want this guy for my personal bodyguard. And how many of y'all have ever read about the David's 30 mighty warriors? Isn't that amazing? I love that passage of scripture. It talks about these 30 warriors. They were just unbelievable. Well, Benaiah, the Bible says he was even greater. He had a higher status than these 30 warriors. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That amazes me. So Benaiah, because he was courageous, because he followed the dream, because he was willing to jump into the pit with this line, God blessed his obedience. God blessed his life. He got promoted to David's bodyguard, and it didn't stop there. God was just preparing him for more. He went on to become the commander-in-chief of the entire army of Israel during Solomon's days. That is amazing. But do you think that would have happened if he wouldn't have jumped into the pit with that lion? Probably not. David probably would have never heard about him. Probably would have never known who he was because there's hundreds of thousands of soldiers. But he stood out because he pursued something. He was willing to chase that lion. And he was willing to follow the dream that God had put into his life. So what does that mean for us? Again, we're not going to kill lions, literally. We're not going to chase lions. I, I really hope you don't. But the bottom line is this. God made each and every one of us. God specifically created you. And he made each of us for tasks and for purposes and for kingdom work. You see, guys, God, he has, he has high expectations for each of us. Every single one of us. And he's created, he's made you to pursue and to chase certain dreams. Now, the world is really good at getting our eyes off of, of chasing God things and then chasing the, the things of the world, right? That, that mold, that box. We forget to use divergent thinking, right? And then all of a sudden, we, we just get kind of, you know, stuck in the, in the rut, in the grind, and we're just kind of going through life, and we're doing our thing, and we're, you know, we're, we're trying to get a paycheck and pay bills and, you know, have, have a few things, and, and then, you know, that's it. And that's kind of what, what our existence becomes. But God, he made us for much more than that. And we need to work, and we, we need to pay our bills, and it's good to, you know, have some money to, to buy things that you need. And it's okay to do some fun stuff and to have some cool stuff. But that's not your identity, right? That's not your total focus in life. That's not your primary focus. Your primary focus is to say, God, what am I here for? You know, and, and ask God to reveal that to you. It's a process to seek out God's will for your life. And guess what? It may change. It may change. The, the specific thing that God has for you to do now may change in five years or 10 years or 15 or 20 years. He may change your path a little bit, but it's still pursuing him. But listen, every single one of us, we've got something to do for God. And, and what he's got for you to do is different than what he's got for me to do. Now, it's all for the same cause. It's all for kingdom work. But ultimately, guys, it's about reaching people for the kingdom. And you can reach people that I can't. And I can reach people that you can't. That's the way God made us. That's why we're all so unique. So, like Benaiah, let's say, Lord, I, I, I want to be bold for you. I believe in you. And, Lord, I want to be blessed by you. When we step out in obedience... And we trust God and we say, okay, God, I'm going to do this. It may, it may not make a lot of sense right now, but I'm going to step out in faith. 
And when we do it, hey, God will bless your life. You know, and I remember when, when I was in college and I was about to graduate and, and, uh, from OSU, and God started speaking into my life, and he started changing my direction of my life. You know, and I had a plan, but God said, well, I've got a different, I've got a different plan for you, and you're going to be a youth minister. I'm like, whoo, okay, God, let me wrap my mind around that. And uh, you know what? When I said yes to that, yeah, it was a little risky. It was a little scary, you know, to verbalize that. But I knew that's what God had called me to do, and I never looked back, and I wouldn't change it for anything, you know? And God's blessed in my life, not, not because of me, but he just, in spite of me, and he's used, you know, a step of faith to say, look, I've got a purpose for you, so go live it out. And guys, that's for each of us. And to the world, it may not make sense, you know? My, my college advisor that I, that I really respected, when I told him, you know, instead of going out and getting a job after graduating from OSU... I was going to go on to Bible college, you know, and be a youth minister. He's like, man, don't be crazy. You know, <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, but later he's like, man, I, I admire what you're doing, you know. But at first, being bold for God, it may not make a lot of sense to a lot of people. But that's okay. You've got to know what God's calling you to do. And when you know it, and he's put that dream in your heart, then go pursue it. See, the world tries to take the dream away from you. But you've got to refocus and you got to say, Lord, you do have a purpose for my life. There is something for me to pursue. So, Lord, I want to go get it. And that's what I'm asking you today, just to say, would you be willing today to say, yes, Lord, whatever your purpose for me, whatever the line is that you've called me to chase, I'll do it. I'd like for